here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Hello, world. This is TJ Morris, and you're listening to ET Radio. Excuse me. I've had so much going on all at one time. I don't have Dr. Bruce McAbee here yet, but he's joining us. But his friend Jan Aldrich has been talking to me, so he may drop by here to say hi and to share some of our ancient investigators in the uh, Men in Black area, X-Files, UFO codes, ufology. So we're all excited about that. I've got my associate, uh, co-host, host, manager, producer, Ahmed Painter. Can you hear me now, Ahmed? You'll have to get off the mute. <laughs> can you? I can't hear you. I can see your phone number, Ahmed, but I can't hear you. All righty. Is it me or you, Ahmed? Uh, I'll ask you to speak now. <laughs> You're on. Okay. Well, I can't hear Ahmed Painter right now, so he may have to call back in and uh I'm waiting on uh you have me on mute. No, it's it's not on mute that it doesn't say you're on mute. Well, hold on. Uh let me close out everything here. Uh for some reason folks, uh I'm the only one on right now. <laughs> Stand by, I'm closing everything out, and uh, we're on, but I will completely restart my computer, and that might help. You know, sometimes I've been working all day, so how do, we've got a lot of associations. Uh, we've got our American Communications Online, which is our ACO association, our private club for all of our artists and authors. And <clears throat> a Mad Painter and Ken R. Johnston, uh, who joins us on this night, uh, I'll have to get uh, Mad Painter to get up on uh, a Mad Painter. If you can reach Ken R. Johnston by phone and tell him to call in, he was gonna. He probably needs the phone number because he never writes it down, Ken. Uh, but uh, I'll make sure Ken's got it because it's going to be interesting. Jan Aldrich is an investigator that uh, Dr. Bruce Maccabee has asked us to bring in and do our AI project. He said AI, and then he said, you know what that stands for, don't you? It's like, no, AI, well, artificial intelligence is ancient investigators. So that's a little coin phrase that we're going to stick with, and we like it. So we're going to have a bi-monthly magazine for our Allied Command Intergalactic Relations officers, oracles, whatever you want to call us, and our club that people want to join if they feel like they have a part to share with the cosmos, our expanse, and uh, we're all excited because finally I've had so many websites, so many domains for so long, and doing all this community-free, and of course we have social media, we have our main browsers, Google, is, uh, we use Google and uh, our Gmail, but we also use uh, Amazon and Kindle for our books, it used to be Create Space, and they moved us all over electronic on print-on-demand books, which 
I would say is the set model now in, in in the entire world, so we don't have to have big distribution houses or put in our garages as as authors all our books, so they print them on demand now. That's been going on probably since shoot back when I was driving cross country uh, to and from uh, various uh, publishing houses, printing companies, delivering paper, going in and being a catcher and. Uh, some publishing houses and then uh, making books and gluing. I, I, I did the glue machine where you stick the books in and it glues the outside. And gosh, I did printing all kind of things, including cards and guides and anything you can imagine in the print business. My family has sawmill in their bones. But uh, right now I'm waiting to pull my crown up because I couldn't see. Maybe everybody's here and it was just my computer. So. I'm going to see. Uh, we're looks like it's coming back on now. Blog Talk Radio Studio. So <clears throat> we appreciate you hanging in there with us. Uh, we operate in uh, the United States of America, but we have listeners all over. Oddly enough, we have as many in Russia, I think, as we do in uh, uh, Emirates and in Europe. So that's interesting, isn't it? That we have so many people now. It shows that. Uh, well, now it showed you a mad, and then it showed you to click off. So did you just decide to click off, or did it click you off? So uh, stand by, folks. We're just having a little bit of audio difficulty, but since I've cleared my browsers now and uh, reopened, we've just got to get a mad painter on here, and then we'll get our guest on here. Uh, Bruce knows it's 8 Eastern. At least that's what we told him. Uh, so we'll have to probably remind him. And uh, also, Ken R. Johnston. Let me try to get Ken on here. Of course, this phone wants to show me everything I don't want to see right now and uh, clear it from these messages. Good lands. You know, it's getting to be where the advertising that I don't want is what I see the most of. And uh, on these phones, I've got to get some help on these because these things just seem to eat up all kind of data and uh, people with their advertising so uh, contacts here we go let me look for Ken Ken R. Johnston senior by the way because his son is junior now I'll make sure he's coming on and uh, we'll get uh I mean, Painter was able to get in touch with Dr. Bruce last time for me. So, uh, Ken, are you going to answer? Let's see here. Stand by, everybody. We're going to get Ken Johnston. Hello. Hi. Hello. Do you have the number to call in? Uh, no, I just talked to him. I'm, in, I'm uh, in the middle of a, of a rainstorm. It's coming south out of Albuquerque. An absolute disaster here. We have to go and pick up. The truck my grandson had to leave when he got his got the big truck, so I'm stuck. Okay, well, so you won't be on tonight. We've got uh, Doctor Bruce Maccabee coming oh, on. Oh man, sorry about. I, wow, man, this is dangerous right now. Um, All right, well, okay. I'll let you. Okay. I'll let you. All right, well, if you get home in two hours, we're we're on the air live Thursday as okay. normal, eight Eastern. All right, Ken. Be be safe on the road. We'll be thinking about you. All right, we'll try to get somebody else in. Okay, Jan Aldrich said, 
he would call in. Uh, we were going to give Bruce all the glory, but now I don't see Dr. Bruce here either. So kids stuck in a rainstorm in Albuquerque. Uh, interesting, isn't it, that this is happening? And uh, Ahmed, I guess uh, if you can get back online, maybe you can try to – I tried to get Ken, so maybe you heard he's stuck in a rainstorm. So now we got to track down uh, Dr. <laughs> Bruce. Sometimes this happens, folks. So, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to Dr. Bruce, and he was he was already uh, coming on tonight for our ACO club. We're a community of uh, like-minded people, art, artists and authors mainly. And we're going to have Dr. Sam Asmonagic in August coming up. Uh, he does the pyramids, especially the Bosnian pyramid. He's a great uh, ancient explorer, I guess one might say. So... Uh, I'm waiting on Ahmed to come on, and I'm going to save uh, my uh, Authors Book Club is our ACO community of artists and authors, and I'm administrator for those of you that follow us, and we're uh, we're going to have uh, Mad. I guess he can hear me, so now we need to get Dr. Bruce Maccabee's phone number, uh, and uh, he's not here, so I'll have, uh, can you call him? I think we're all losing track of time because of the sun. It's still sunny outside, but we have an overcrest here in the panhandle. But uh, since Ken Ken is stuck in in a in a rainstorm, so uh, in uh, we just gotta have to verify that Dr. Bruce has the call in uh, call in to three four seven nine four five seven two zero seven, and he did confirm. And I sent him an email and told him to call in, so he may be stuck too. So uh, I I can't see uh, you are not on the board board, and I just uh, and I just loaded. So uh, I don't know why I don't see you, Mad, but you're not on the board yet. So uh, I shut everything down and started it all over. Okay, so uh, Ahmed, I don't see you uh, on the board. He says he's there, so that means it's he's in the show. And I wonder why. So it's the board. All right, well, that means I'm going to have to shut it down for a moment. So Ahmed, uh, I would put you on, but you're not showing on the board. Uh, so this is interesting, and I deleted it and started it again. All right, let me... Shut down and call right back in, folks. I'll tell you what I can do. I'll just call in on another phone. Let's see here. Guest call in. Three, four, seven, nine, four, five, seven, two, oh, seven. I'm going to call in. I may have to call and see why. I can see only my number, but not. Uh, Matt, if you can unhook and call back in, I'd appreciate it. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Please hold and you will be able to listen to the show. All right, now I'm calling in. All right, I'm calling in. Wow. Well, I'll start it again. That's all I can do.
Can you hear me there, now? TJ? Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, good. Finally. Okay. I've got three phones in my hand, and it's telling me to still connect. So I guess we're live now. I don't know why I couldn't see you earlier, but uh, glad you're back here now. Uh, can you get in touch with Dr. Maccabee? Can, do you have his number? You had it before because he's um, not showing up not with sure you and I, I now. Let's see. Yeah, yeah, you had it before, and uh, I can look it up in my phone. Uh, just got off the phone with Ken, so I guess he was on the show yeah. earlier. You could hear him, right? Yeah, I you called could hear him Ken on the show. Okay. Yeah, he says he's in a storm, so uh, shut down Skype and call in 347-945-7207. Yeah, that's what. 347. I'm putting it back in there when he gets home, if he gets home out of the rain. But now, uh, right, I'm, Doctor, I'm calling now. Okay. I don't know how we're online, but I guess the computer finally called it. Somebody's helping us. It shows. Uh, says unavailable. It says not available. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, let me see if I can get Mr. Aldrich on here. Jan Aldrich was in touch with me. Uh, Jan, so it doesn't. You have his phone number, and it shows not in. Yeah, he Jan just, Aldrich. Uh, I guess he just threw it over to voicemail or whatever, you know, or not answer oh. because it rang okay. like twice and it said unavailable. Oh goodness. Okay. Well, uh, I had Jan Aldrich available tonight, and he's been. Uh, I've been talking to him, and he was going to call in and say hi to Bruce, and then we're going to have him in two weeks. But I guess uh, well, if we can't get Doctor Bruce on here, but he did know it was Thursday, so uh, sometimes those things happen. Well, uh, let me see if I can get. Facebook, because uh, he'd been trying several times to get me, facebook.com. Uh, let me try Jan Aldrich. She's been all over all my phones all day and says this isn't available. Let's see. So we know Ken's stuck. Now let me see, phone recent contacts. These phones, I tell you, these advertisements drive me crazy because they just, I've got to figure out how to use a phone without them. I mean, I know they help pay the bills, but you can hear me okay, Ahmed? Says we're ongoing. ongoing yeah, I can call. hear you. I was on mute. Oh, okay. Well, why don't you go ahead and tell people a little about you while I try to get Jan Aldrich up here? <laughs> there ain't much because, to tell about me. You know. <laughs> well, you're helping us with our whole just club. Always, just give them. Yeah. Uh, we are putting out a, a bi-monthly magazine. Uh, I've got the second issue. will be out uh, sometime next month. Friday around the 15th, we'll put it out. And uh, it'll be up on Amazon. And uh, now if you come join the, the uh, ACO club for $5 a month, you'll get the magazine uh, sent to you uh, without 
having to buy it, but anybody else will have to buy it up on Amazon. And uh, it's mainly going to be uh, uh, scientific stuff, uh, uh, stuff that we know about, and you know, and there'll be some speculation to it. Uh, this next one, I've got uh, one of my short stories in it, so uh, it's got uh, articles about space junk. Uh, article about some of the anomalies in our solar system, things like that. It'll be uh, interesting. Uh, not real hard science, but uh, down-to-earth stuff people can understand. And uh, But a lot of the information they don't know about. Uh, there's even an article about uh, artificial intelligence in there, which uh, a lot of people don't know a whole bunch about artificial intelligence. It's one of my pet peeves. I'm also a radio host at another station. You can Google a mad painter and find me. So, <laughs> I'm an artist, uh, do graphics work, author. Me and TJ have been uh, working on a, a book <laughs> for her. Yep. Well, it should be out for a- too much longer, shouldn't it? Uh, well, yeah, I just wanted to go through it one more time, just being a, uh, see writing and then rewriting many years later, uh, and something's holding me back from getting that out. I'm not sure what, but Jan was here earlier, Jan Aldrich, and, uh, he was online and he asked me for his phone number. He's prior U.S. Army, but Jan Aldrich was recommended by Dr. Bruce McAbee. And we are friends. I can see that that he's been with, uh, he's been on KCRA a few times, hosted by Solaris Blu-rays. Blue, Blue, Blue that how you say it? Uh, and he yeah, was going to come Blu-ray. on and help us. Yeah, it looks like Erica Luke's too has a picture of him. So uh, anyway, let me go back. I don't know why we're having trouble getting these people today, but we are. Well, Jan Aldrich was born 1944 and resides in Canterbury, Connecticut, and he received a B.A. in history from the University College and the University of Maryland, but he retired with 25 years in field artillery and seven overseas tours, so he's had a lot of experience. He had 16 years in meteorology and remaining time in intelligence personnel and safety positions. Can uh, Do you know how to get on and see if you can reach Jan Aldrich? Because he was just uh, talking to me right right before I told him to come on. Got a about five number or, I don't or have his Skype telephone numbers. number. No, well, neither. I don't have it. Let's see. Uh about default Canterbury. Oh oh he's maybe he's the one that's been calling me from Connecticut. Okay. Well hold on. Let's see. He I've not been able to get it's been whatever he's on hasn't been reach, reaching through. So let me try this one more time. If I can get off of, get these phones to work properly. I'm so embarrassed that these phones won't do what I want them to do. Well, uh, I wonder if the weather, because he's been trying to call me all day and since yesterday, as a matter of fact. I'm hanging up with Ken. We've got a split screen here. Let's see. 
Uh, I'm going to look and see these Connecticut phone numbers. He's been calling me all day, so I know it's here. Contact reminder. Sign into your account. Now, why would my phone want me to call, sign into my own account? That doesn't make sense. Uh, but, okay, hit recent. Okay, here it is. Uh, well, uh, I'm going to try this Connecticut and see if I can get him. I wonder if he's having trouble, too, from Connecticut. I'll put him on. If this him. Can you hear that, Ahmed? Hello. Hi, is this Jan? Yes, it is. Oh, Jan, great. I can't reach Bruce. Can you uh, possibly uh, call into the studio and let us interview you today, and we'll swap everything around for uh, Bruce in two weeks? Okay, yeah, let me, let me do that. Okay, I appreciate it. You got the number? Oh, yeah, you gave it to me, right? That's the one that works, right? The last one you gave me? 347-945-7207. Yes. Okay, great. And I've given you a little bit of intro already, but uh, maybe Bruce will call in, but he must have got sidetracked. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jan. We'll get, we're on live now, so we'll we'll continue the conversation on air. Okay, thanks. Wow, thanks. So I finally figured out the number trying to call me all day. Uh, Matt, I don't know if they were trying. He was trying on Facebook to get me on computer, and we couldn't get through. And I finally figured out that the number in my phone that he was trying to reach me was getting cut off. I think it has something to do with all this thinking they do, right, between your phones and your – and I'm always on computer, and then you put on Skype, and then you put on our studio. But can you hear me, Ahmed? I heard a lot of you, too. This yeah, is a strange, I hear you. Strange day. All right. 860. Here he is. Good. All right. Here he comes. Great. Jan Aldrich, can you hear me now? Yes. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to take uh, – we'll just have to add you, Jan, instead of Dr. Bruce, unless he shows up. But I'll put Jan Aldrich today. You were also uh, in intelligence – and did work. You want to tell people a little bit about your history? Because we are definitely live now. And I've got you in the, we have our ACO club, American Communications Online and ACO Association, and the UFO Association. And we're trying to combine them together on some of these uh, websites. I've been doing this for seven years now. But uh, Jan, I'm going to put your name up here. And then uh, give us uh, whatever you want. Were you born in Connecticut? Give us a. Uh, your, no, I was born in Ohio. I lived most. Uh, I've lived uh, since I've been a civilian. I've lived most of the time in in Connecticut, though. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I was in the army for 25 years. A uh, uh, good part of that was uh, in meteorology, but. Uh, I served seven years as uh, an intelligence sergeant um, in a field artillery battery, so or uh, battalion, um, and then a, a, a field artillery group. So uh, uh, basically, what uh, at the time the uh, 
uh, we were uh, nuclear capable. Not anymore. We've gone, that's gone away. But uh, So that took a lot of work to get people the proper clearances and get them right into a, a nuclear program. So it was uh, quite a uh, challenging job there for a while. Um, I've been interested in UFOs since uh, um, no, 59 when I read Ruppelt's book. So uh, it's been a long time, and I've been collecting stuff for 50 years. Now that I'm retired, the the problem is I have I don't have files. I have piles. So it's putting it in order and scanning it so uh, others can use it. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, so you've got your own archives then? Uh, yes. Uh, Hard uh, copy we started, paper? We started a group that uh, one of the main purposes was to uh, um, uh, preserve UFO material. So it was a sign historical group. And if you go to the Project 47 website, you can... Uh, you can uh, we share that with the sign historical group, so it, it talks about preservation and things. Uh, oh have, uh, wow! Yeah, I have uh, Dr. Willie Smith's uh, case files. Uh, I have some of the case files from uh, NICAP, Connecticut. Um, uh, we just got through scanning Gordon Lore's uh, case files, which were uh, he was the uh, uh, assistant of NICAP um, uh, back in the uh, in the in the late '60s. So uh, uh, I've got some Australian material that uh, has been passed on to me, and uh, uh, a few other people um, that have. Uh, Either we've exchanged things with, or we've exchanged scans. So uh, I got about uh, oh, I'd say twenty five hundred case files scanned in so far. Now and, that's uh, in Project nineteen forty seven. Is that that's your uh, historical group? Is AMC? Uh, uh, the his, yeah, the historical group is a uh, sign historical group. Yes, I see your logo right now. Well, I'll definitely put you on the UFOassociation.org and our ACO Association uh, as a a link. Since you've got all this set up, we're having that too, set up historical links and trying to find out who's who. So who answers Legion 47 Gmail? Is that you, Legion P47? Legion is uh, John Stepkowski. He's my uh, he's uh, the uh, webmaster. Okay, okay. Wow, I'm really glad we got in touch with you. You were thanks to uh, Bruce Maccabee, and I don't see him. I mean, he may call in on the hour. He may get be mixed up with the time, but whatever. Yeah, we'll be here for him if he shows up. But sure, Jan okay. Aldrich. We'll definitely have to get you back in a couple of weeks. But right now, uh, let's go through what uh, you've been able to do as a ufologist. Tell us, so you read uh, 
was it Kehoe's book or what, what book and what year did you originally get interested in UFOs? And um, well, a mad painter uh, here, both here with you. So yeah, um, go ahead. Uh, Edward Ruppelt's, Captain Edward Ruppelt, uh the report on UFOs. That's the that's the book that I read, and that uh, that got me interested. In fact, what got me interested was it seemed that uh, in the in the early fifties they were real close to uh, getting something done about UFOs. I mean, you know, so many times they sent up set up interceptors and it was they just they they were just uh left in the desk and everything. So I I found that very interesting. So as I started um uh reading more and then I started I started seeing that what I could do is is collect things. I could go through old newspapers and find accounts of UFO. So that was another thing I started to do. Um, and then when I, uh, when I, you know, was, became an adult, uh, uh, I, I tried to help Ted Blocher with his, uh, uh, 1947, uh, report. I, I got into it pretty late after he had pretty well wrote, written his, uh, his, uh, book, but, uh, he continued to collect material afterwards. So I helped him out on that. Um, and when I got out of the, uh, when I, you know, I still collected stuff while I was in the military. But uh, when I got out of uh, the military, when I retired from the military, I uh, I put in for one of the grants that they had when they had the UFO uh, Coalition, which was uh, MUFON, um, the Fund for UFO Research, and uh, uh, CUFOS. And I put in for a grant, and I got it. Um, and what what the grant was is to go back and look at the 1947 wave, which is uh, uh, we don't. Uh, I Blocher pretty well got an idea about how big it was because he got the, he had 850 uh, um, different. Uh, Incidents that he collected um, He looked at about uh, 200 newspapers uh, I just carried that on Until I had looked at uh, the, And the people that were helping me I had about 300 people worldwide Helping me do this So uh, uh, We found about uh, Nearly 3,000 UFO reports For 1947 Um Everybody kind of thinks that in 1947, everything was in the distance. The UFOs were in the distance. I, I like to say right now that that's uh, complete, uh, completely false. Uh, almost every activity that UFOs have engaged in is uh, evident in 1947. So close encounters, um uh, uh, electromagnetic effects, radar cases. Um, so it's, uh, 
And so that was my project. And it wasn't just 1947. I had uh, tried to collect um, material from 1900 to uh, uh, 1965. Um, I used 65 is because that was a lot of. Uh, I used 1965 because that was when a lot of uh, people got uh, uh, clipping services. So I didn't feel like it was uh, necessary to look at the newspapers after 65. And boy, was I wrong. (laughs) Wow. Now that we can call old newspapers up on uh, on the Internet, yeah, I, I I visited uh, uh, fifty different states and Canadian provinces in my research. I probably went to uh, about a hundred and twenty-five uh, different archives, you know, state libraries, uh, university libraries, um, uh, uh, his, uh, state historical societies. Um, so it's was, it was quite a uh, quite a project. And then, uh, uh, on my website, I've, I've uh, put the, went ahead and uh, uh, on Project Forty Seven, I've, I've got, uh, 1947. I gone ahead and put in uh, some of the findings, and I continue to do that. And there's there's a lot of things. Uh, very interested in the Second World War. Um, you might say the Foo Fighters, but that was just one aspect of uh, UFOs during World War II. Uh, and they were seen everywhere in the in the United States and out of the United and uh, on the war fronts. So um, it, it was it, it's quite a uh, quite a historical uh, march through time. Well, so, where do we get started? Since most people go back to the Foo Fighters, and uh, you know uh, what you're talking about, I guess was the original Project Blue Book, or that before that with NICAP and Donald. Is it Donald Kehoe, K E Y H O E, and Rupelt? Can you give us some names of the first people that you got interested in? Well, I and I, then, I was interested in uh, I read I read uh, Keo's books, uh, all of his books. I never met him, uh, but I did visit NICAP uh, um, uh, fifteen times, uh, and sometimes I stayed down there for uh, two or three weeks at a time doing volunteer work. Um, things that nobody else liked to do, like uh, filing cases and things like that. So that was sorry. Yeah, Hello? that was. Uh, yeah, I'm on the radio. So that was one of the, yeah, that was one of the one of the things I. So I met Richard Hall down there, and uh, um, uh, Isabel Davis. Uh, she was like my mentor. Uh, she had been in uh, 
uh, civilian software intelligence in New York, and then she went to work for NICAP. Wow. Um, yeah, so. Uh, and, yeah, yeah she, was, she was, she was quite a, quite a gal. And, um, uh, well, I, I met Dr. McDonald a couple of times down there and he, uh, one of the reasons he came to Washington, D.C. was to talk to Isabel because uh, he had great respect for the amount of knowledge he, she had. Um, so, uh, uh, and, of course, I, I, you know, I know the people in Kufos and I, I've been in MUFON and uh, I, I, knew, I knew Don Berliner and... Uh, so you know, uh, most of the people. Oh, you knew Don. I talked to Don, and we're gonna have to change this whole show up. <laughs> All right, yeah. tell me what you know about yeah. Don. I called him Burliner, but it's Berliner, huh? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Um, yeah, I met him down there, and uh, uh, we had a mutual friend in uh, Scotland named uh, Julian Hennessy. Uh, if you look on my site, he uh, I have one of his essays about uh, 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 British UFO, uh, British government UFO investigations, and uh, also his <laughs> attempts to get official records and everything. Um, and Don and I both knew him. Uh, So uh, he helped me out with a few Foo Fighter reports that he had collected over the years. Since he's an aviation uh, writer, uh, he has a, he has a lot of aviation people that he knows. Um, one of the guys that he knew was um, Sergeant Ed Clark in the Second World War. Yeah. Um, he was a, a reporter for Stars and Stripes. I mean, he's a wow. Okay, so That's uh, old. so uh, he he got interested when he heard about Foo Fighters. He he, he uh, went right over to uh, the 415th Night Fighter Squadron, which were the guys that had started to report him. They got in the newspapers because of them, and he interviewed wow. everybody. And then yeah, that's been Christmas. around since 1861, right? The owner of Defense Media Activity, 1861, out of Washington, D.C., that Stars and Stripes. And that's where we were supposed to report anything. Or They only wanted – when I was in in the 80s, they wanted us anything to go through their own media, right? Do you, they didn't want you – you remember when you were in uniform, they didn't want you talking to the press? Was that the way it was in your time? Right, but no, uh, Stars and Stripes, it, it's still published, but it was, uh, you know, it was the uh, soldier's newspaper. Right, yeah, so they, okay. So, so uh, uh, like I say, on Christmas Eve, 1944, he went up with one of the um, uh, night, fighter, night fighters, and on his way back to the base, uh, he saw a UFO or a Foo Fighter, um, and it was red, and 
uh, he couldn't write anything about it till after he got out of the military. <laughs> but he did write about his his night with the night fighters. He did write about his uh, uh, flying with the uh, the fighter pilot. Um, but he didn't mention the Foo Fighters until he got out of the uh, out of the military. Well, could you help us, Ahmed? I want you to jump in here. Ahmed's my co-producer, co-host, and uh, he he was in the Navy back uh, before I was during Vietnam. But um, Jan, this is so special to have you show up like this. I'm sorry for the last two days we couldn't get in touch with each other through this communication, but it, I guess the universe finally wanted, I don't know where Dr. Bruce is. I hope his health is okay because he had committed to tonight. So, folks, this is Jan Aldrich, not Dr. Bruce McAbee tonight, but they were friends, and they're covering the ACO uh, Allied Command for us and the UFO Association history as uh, he was also a ufologist and investigator. We're going all the way back to 1861 when the Stars and Stripes started and uh we'll give you a little history on that but like you said that was the i guess you could say the patriots the military men's paper but uh this is jan aldrich and he was born in ohio raised in connecticut jan give us a timeline when were you born and when did you get into the military well i was born in the uh in the 40s um and I went into the military in uh, 1967. And uh, uh, the reason I'm alive is because the Pueblo happened. The North Koreans seized uh, a Navy ship, an uh, uh, intelligence gathering ship called the Pueblo. And uh, because of that, I went to uh, Korea instead of going to Vietnam. So. Ah. You got lucky. So I would have, yeah, I would have been there in Vietnam right during the uh, all the real hot times, but uh, since the North Koreans went and say uh, seized the pueblo, we uh, I went to, I went to Korea. Of course, for a while there, they thought that Korea was going to break out too. Um, when you see Sergeant Majors filling sandbags, you know that something serious is going on. Wow. Yeah. So did you go yeah, to North was, Korea at all? No, we uh, I was uh we, we were not up on the DNZ, but we were close to it. I was at a place called uh uh Sanjuri and then uh, which is I don't know about maybe 4 or 5 miles from the DMZ. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, after after about three or four months, everything settled down in Korea. There was no, you know, they thought everything was going to break out there, but nothing happened. Uh, they used to send infiltrators across, and uh, they had to find them and run them down. But uh, 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 basically, it's it settled down, so. Um, and of course, every once in a while, there's incidents. Even now, um, yeah, I've heard the of North, a few. <laughs> yeah, the North Koreans uh, uh, about uh, 
six or seven years ago, uh, uh, made an artillery barrage on one of the islands there to blow the South Korea. So, uh, you know, every once in a while there's something that goes on there. You know, and underhanded things like uh, infiltration and attempted assassination and things like that. But, um, um, it's, I, you know, it's, <laughs> compared to Vietnam, there was nothing there. So it was, you know, it's, uh, it's great. Um, so I, uh, during my career, I, uh, I spent time at Fort Hood and, uh, Fort Sill in Oklahoma. Uh, four wow. tours in, yeah, yeah, four tours in Korea, uh, two tours in Germany, and one in Italy. And, My uh, goodness. You got around about, in your career. Yeah. 25 years? Yeah. yeah. Did you retire? You yes. retired Army? Yeah. Well, thank uh, you for your service. We appreciate it. Okay. Oh, the, that's um, awesome. E9. So about half half the time was in nuclear capable units. So that's uh, uh, that was. Uh, Are you allowed to talk about that now? Because the mad mad had uh, some kind of uh, clearance on a ship uh, in the navy. Nuclear. Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, I, I. I mean, you know, we had uh, we. Uh, I was in eight inch units or. Um, one one five five. So they had the uh, capability. Now we don't we don't say if we had nuclear weapons there. We just say that they're nuclear capable. So we had the capability of firing nuclear weapons. And then I was in a uh, honest, honest John Rocket uh, Battalion, fourth, uh, which was assigned to fourth missile fourth missile command. So. Uh, and then I was assigned to uh, a uh, artillery group in Italy, which maintained uh, weapons for uh, Greece and Italy. So, um, and uh, was that NATO force? But did you have to work with NATO during that time? Oh, that's yeah, just a um, I uh, let's see, we. Uh, in Korea, I, when I worked for Fourth Missile, they were in uh, general uh, support of the First Rock Army. So that's exactly what we worked for. We worked for for the uh, Korean Army, actually. And then when I was in uh, one tour in Germany, uh, that's we worked for the we worked for Twelfth Panzer Division, um, and we were in. Uh, support of them So um, I guess I could say I, I had about uh, Seven years uh, uh, Working with uh, Allies So Did you uh, only wear one uniform Or did you have to switch to other uniforms No 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 we didn't We didn't uh, uh, do anything Like that uh, You know the uh uh, and I will say this: uh, sometimes you think you're going to in the in the military. You think your your mission is one thing, and then 
one fine day you find out that that's only um, that's a deception, and your real mission is something completely different. Yep, <laughs> I can agree <laughs> with that. Even in my time in the eighties, <laughs> well, I was yeah, in sixty-seven we... May. May sixty-seven is when I signed my paperwork for clearances. May tenth, sixty-seven. Fifty years later, I'm retired, but I yeah. feel like I did what I wanted to do, and I guess I'm doing it now because bringing information to people and finding all these great people out there that truly believe in UFOs and uh, how we can come together, and uh, it's brought you here thanks to, I wouldn't have known your name if it hadn't been for Dr. Bruce McAbee. He helped us. He was a plank owner for ACO, our club, Alien Contact Organization, ACO Association, and our American Communications Online and putting us here on the radio. Now, let's, uh, Ahmed, have you got any questions so far for Jan? Well, I'm really interested in the UFO stuff. I'd like to know what his most uh, impressive case, what case impressed him the most. All right. Let's well, I... UFOs. Yeah, so uh, uh, when they, when they, if people are always asking you what are the ten best cases, uh, uh, I don't really like to do that. And I'll tell you, there's uh, I think there's no one best case. And after having said that, the best case is uh, Minot, Oklahoma, or Minot, North Dakota. Um, uh, October 24, 1968. Um, uh, Tom Tulene and I, he's, he, is, he was the chairman of the uh, Sign Historical Group. And one thing he liked to do was interview people. He has about uh, recorded on various medias uh, 200 interviews and one of the interviews we did was uh was the pilot one of the uh the uh, b-52 pilot that was involved in the minot case and uh it was it was during the condon committee but this case was never given to the condon committee um uh, what happened uh, in Minot? Uh, there were sightings from the uh, from the uh, uh, guys on the surface of the um, uh, nuclear coding team and uh, uh, the uh, air police uh, had some sightings in Minot, and this B-52 was returning from a uh, a check flight after it had been on alert and he was coming in for a landing. Yeah. They had been out for, I think 48 hours and, uh, the tower at Minot called them and said, uh, <coughs> we'd like you to go to this position. Uh, don't land yet. Go to this position and, uh, 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 see, tell us what you see. So they went there and, uh, uh, the pilot didn't see anything, but the radar guys did. Uh, radar and the 
uh, electronic um, countermeasures guy, they saw plenty on their radar scope. Uh, they had this uh, UFO. They said the blip was about as big as a K-47, uh, KC-47 uh, uh, refueling aircraft. Um, and it was following them. Uh, and they started to take uh, pictures of their radar scope. So uh, we had those pictures. Uh, so they followed them, and they were uh, the thing followed them, and then it uh, it, it left. So uh, and while it was following them, they had problems with their radio too. Uh, after. After they came came in for a landing, they were just back again. And <clears throat> now the pilots see it, and it's um, it, it had a red glow around it. It had a, what looked like a uh, sort of detached cabin with an attachment to the main body of the uh, UFO. Uh, it was it was just. Uh, I like to describe it. It looked like an axe, or a, not not an axe head, but a, a pick head, and it, it was attached by a little tunnel to the UFO, which was uh, oval in shape, and it was it was pacing them, and uh, at that point they they were talking to the tower and everything. And then they had problems with their radios. Now, uh, nuclear equipped uh, or nuclear uh, delivery systems, everything is uh, duplicated. They don't just have one radio. They have two radios. And once you get uh, interference, you do all kinds of anti-interference things to, you know, to continue broadcasting. And they did all their countermeasures, and nothing, uh, both radios were out. Um, when they uh, when they landed, um, they said, hey, send a, the tower told them, send a senior man to operations, and he'll fill out a, uh, a report. That's what they did. About two weeks later, they were debriefed. Uh, maybe it wasn't two weeks. I'm not sure about that. I'd have to go and look at it. Uh, so the uh, uh, I asked I, I asked the pilot, "Were you told not to talk about it?" And he said, "We didn't have to be told. We knew not to talk about it." Um. So everybody on the B fifty. Two had a different vantage point for looking at this thing. Like the tail gunner, he had his vantage point. The guys in the uh, on the flight deck, they had their vantage point, and the uh, electronic guys had their radar, so they had their vantage point. So after after we got that uh, first interview, Tom went around and collected interviews from all the living members of the crew. It's kind of an interesting story how he found who the living members were. Um, 
Captain uh, Runyon was the pilot, and uh, he didn't. Really, he he says, you know, I'm not sure I remember these guys. And then he started looking through his uh, his papers and everything, and there's a there's a picture of the crew, and they're standing out in front of the aircraft, and you can see all their uh, name tags. So once he saw the name tags, he knew where who they were, and um, from that, uh, Tom was able to get in touch with all the crew members that were alive and interview them. Uh, the uh, the radar pictures were in Project Blue Book, but he was a the uh, the intelligence officer at Minot <coughs> kept an absolutely great set of pictures, and they passed on to Mufon, although Mufon didn't know what they had, but uh, Tom was able to get those pictures, and then. We were able to get four radar experts to look at them. Uh, at one time, these things were going, uh, the, the uh, excuse me, the UFO was going over 1,000 miles a, an hour at one time. Uh, so, uh, not only do you have all the crew stuff, you have the what was in Project Blue Book, when Peter Jennings had his UFO special, he found out about this case, and he went back, or his his uh, reporters went back, and they all re-interviewed everybody. So this case has been pretty well um, investigated, not only by the Air Force, uh, I think SAC investigated it better than Project Blue Book did. Um, and then, of course, Tom and then Peter Jennings. And it was on, on Peter Jennings' UFO special. Uh, the case is on the Internet. And you can... Uh, uh, um, Google it. Um, Minot Air Force Base, North Dakota, October uh, 24th, 1968. Just Google that, and it'll come up. Uh, it's an extensive uh, um, interviews, the Air Force case file, narratives, uh, radar. Uh, radar analysis. Um, of course, that's the time when Phil Class was around, so Blue Book called it ball lightning, which is it, it, impossible. I mean, the thing hung around for over an hour. Ball lightning is, you know, just a few seconds. Um, less, you know, usually no more than a minute. Um, it was big. It was ball lightning is not. Huge. <laughs> so it was a uh, <clears throat> a phony uh, answer, um, and the uh, like I say, it's so well investigated that I think that's probably the best case that we have. We have a, we have uh, a lot of them that are 
uh, pretty well up there. I, I would say we uh, uh, <clears throat> on on my website we've got the uh, uh, Nash Fortenberry case down in uh, in Virginia in 1952. Uh, the UFOs, um, six of them. Uh, came towards the air, airliner, uh, airliner that uh, Ka- uh, Nash was on. He was a pilot, and Fortenberry, he was a, like the first, o- well, he, I think Nash was the first officer, and Fortenberry was the second officer, and the captain was out of the uh, flight deck, so they were flying the plane. The, uh, the UFOs came under the aircraft. They were going red, and... As they're watching them, two uh, rendezvous with the six, and they leave in a line. And so they're uh, Nash had a stopwatch, and, and he's looking uh, reference points on the ground using his stopwatch to time them. And so these things are going over a thousand miles an hour. 1952, there was nothing that did that. Um, and uh, so he, uh, we interviewed, Tom Torina and I interviewed uh, uh, Nash. Um, and uh, he wrote an article, he and Fortenberry wrote an article for uh, True Magazine. Well, you know, True is a men's magazine, so you'd think they'd soup things up or something. It wouldn't be a real good account. So I asked him when we interviewed him, I said, uh, did, uh, how much did uh, True uh, sensationalize it? And he said, it's word for word that we wrote. They're, the only change they made was a mistake. They changed um, attitude and substituted the word altitude he said we meant attitude and they they uh the editor substituted the word he said but otherwise it was it was just exactly as we wrote it they did not sensationalize or anything so that that article is also on my website and what is your website uh www Project one nine forty seven all one word dot com. Can you have Now the uh Minot case is not on my website. That's a that's a separate website altogether. Can you tell us what you know about? Oh, I've got feedback. Uh, I'm Let sorry. Me, uh, see what I can do. All right, could you say that again? It's breaking up here. Um, was worried. I wanted to see if you can help us with food fighting. How does your era? Describe food fighters. Okay, well, see, food fighters was just a, a name that uh, uh, the intelligence officer at 
before 15th, uh, light players gave uh, the uh, uh, Foo Fighters that he saw, they were generally at night lights. They did not uh, apparently show up on radar because uh, night fighter squadrons used radar. So uh, they didn't show up on radar. Uh, they weren't the first people to see him, though. Uh, the 422nd Night Fighter Squadron is in uh, the Netherlands. And they were seeing lights, and the commander was quite... Uh, uh, he was a no-nonsense guy. He said he didn't want to hear about mystical lights. So his pilots told him, well, I, I think these may be German jets or rockets. Uh, of course, when you uh, do any research about that, uh, <clears throat> night fighting jets were mostly uh, kept around Berlin for defense against the British who were uh, hitting Berlin in, uh, at night, and so uh, they were not—they weren't anywhere near Holland, and uh, the uh, uh, HE one. Uh, uh, 192 was a rocket, but uh, you couldn't uh, use it during the nighttime because they said if you land, you land in uh, uh, you land in pieces over uh, a mile. Uh, if it wasn't the daytime, you couldn't use the the uh, rocket fighter that they had because it went straight up. And then engage the uh, Allied aircraft, and then glide it back down. And he said, "You couldn't, uh, you couldn't use these at uh, night, so the Germans didn't use them at night." Now, before the Foo Fighters, there were plenty of other things flying around. Uh, I guess something they called crystal balls. <coughs> They usually were below 10,000 feet in the, uh, so, and they were seen in Europe, and they thought maybe it was some kind of German counterweapon, but uh, never seemed to do anything to the aircraft. Um, there were a few uh, EM cases. The British uh, had one where uh, uh, it was during the daytime, and they had, uh, uh, they saw an actual, what we would call a UFO today. I said that were seen all over the place. Uh, one of the places they were seen in the U.S. was uh, uh, Hanford, Washington, where they, uh, where they were making plutonium at the time. So... I found official documents from the 4th Air Force which said we have to do something about these things. Uh, we're having aerial intrusion over, <laughs> over Hanford. So they moved uh, radars over there. And the Navy was putting together to uh, replace aircraft uh in the Pacific. So 
they got the mission also to uh, fly intercep- interception over uh, Hanford. And there were a number of them done in uh, January and February, all the way till uh, June of, of, of 1945. I, I don't think I found, uh, I didn't find the 4th Air Force documents at the archives until uh, 19, uh, or to 2005, I think is when I found the uh, the documents in the archives, but uh, we did have actual reports from some of the pilots and then Richard Hastings also found another pilot who discussed uh, uh, attempted uh, interceptions over Hanford. he was able to tell us, hey, you're not going to find it in the uh, squadron uh, histories. You, you're going to have to look at the base histories. Um, but uh, we have uh, we have three pilots that uh, that you know before they died, they told us about these things. So this is uh, it's pretty interesting. Of course, in uh, um, uh, Hat Arnold, who was the uh, uh, commander of the Army Air Forces, he sent his aide to uh, Europe in uh, um, before the war was over, and uh, his aide uh, was a writer, a magazine writer, so he wanted to uh, run around Europe doing articles on the war. One of the places that Hap Arnold told him to go was the 415th and uh, interview the people there. So he did that. Um, uh, Hap Arnold also had a scientific advisor over there, uh, Dr. Uh, David Griggs, an expert on radar. And when it, now that I'm talking about radar, I need to say something. Uh, some of these uh, UFOs in the uh, in the Pacific were picked up on radar. Um, also, that's a, uh, where a lot of the uh, Navy sightings were made. Um, and. Uh, Dr. Griggs was told by our by uh, our, uh, Griggs said he got a orders fighters. Uh, he said they were everywhere he went. They were in Europe. They were in India, China, Burma area, and in Japan. He said his report to Arnold was inconclusive. Uh, we've been looking for that report in various government uh, collections of government documents, but we haven't been able to find it yet. He, Griggs said he did send in a report, though. They were also encountered over the ocean by ferry pilots going to Europe. Uh, 
um, going from Brazil to Africa. In fact, they, uh, that case is pretty interesting. This guy was, um, this pilot was, they were ferrying aircraft over from Brazil to, to Africa. And he saw two lights coming at him. And he thought it was an aircraft. And as they got closer, the two lights lit up and went around him, one on one side and one on the other. Uh, one of the uh, ferry pilots in the uh, North Atlantic, he had uh, um, he had an incident where the UFO came up to his plane and flew alongside it. So he he decided he'd see if he could change or shake it. So he did all kinds of maneuvers actually going in the opposite direction and the thing is hanging on his uh, just off his wing and he turn again and it, it, it just it just matched every maneuver he did. So um, and like I say in the Pacific they, they did have radar sightings of UFOs. Um, the British did have radar contact with UFOs. Uh, one British aircraft did have um, physiological effects. Everybody got uh, banging head uh, headaches for uh, a week. Everybody, they, you know, they didn't have uh, um, these people didn't have headaches, but they got debilitating headaches, which all went away on the same day. So uh, that was interesting. Um, the cases don't aren't just in 40, uh, 44 and 45. They go all, all the way back to the beginning of the war. Uh, uh, there's one called the Lamiston Lights because the pilot's name was Lamiston. And uh, he encountered them over uh, uh, over France when he was flying into France from England, um, and he couldn't shake them either. And he went back to the base, and he, uh, everybody gave him a laugh, and they, that's what that's how he got the Lamiston lights. That's what they called them because they were they were giving him a hard time. <laughs> A few days later, the squadron commander ran into the same thing, and then they didn't—they weren't so uh, uh, smart-ass about everything after that. Uh, the uh, there were a few of these in China. Um, there was one in uh, over Sumatra, um, and uh, I, I found the mission report, but it didn't mention UFOs. Um, but then I talked to a, an intelligence officer, and then he also had written Phil Class and sent Phil Class a letter saying, 
I know this case. He said it it was in the twentieth, uh, or uh, yeah, the twentieth Bomber Command's intelligence weekly intelligence report. It wasn't in the unit report, so you have to get a copy of that. Unfortunately, twentieth Bomber Command. So a lot of their records were burned in a fire. But I'm still hopeful that we can find uh, the intelligence files, maybe, uh, well, since it was in an intelligence publication, it it was in more than one copy, so maybe we can find that. uh, there's there's so many records that are just in storage and unavailable to us. I would imagine there's many in paper form that you'd like to have. And your group has been doing this. Uh, did you ever work with Dr. Bruce McAbee? Or tell me how long your group has been doing this. I guess Sign Historical Group and then Project 1947. Are those... Those may be two different groups, I guess. Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, okay. Basically, the Sign Historical Group has grown into something we just call the History Group now. And uh, uh, we did write uh, that started in the 90s. We had okay. a meeting at. We had a meeting at O'Hare Airport. The ho- one of the hotels at O'Hare Airport is about um, 20 people there. We had uh, people from Italy. We had the head of the French UFO uh, uh, government UFO uh, project there, and we had a. Uh, a captain uh, in the anti-terrorism police there who uh, who collects uh, uh, reports from pilots. Wow. Plus we had people from KUFOS, uh, MUFON, and uh, FUFOR there. So is so the, the latest activity is a book called UFOs in Government. Is that and, by the uh, entire group? Uh, it's by ten of us. Wow! The, okay. the main authors are are Dr. Michael Swords and uh, uh, Robert Powell, and uh, uh, mostly we're contributors then. Um, and so Bill Chalker in. Australia, he he contributed an article about uh, government uh, activities in Australia. Um, Juan uh, Balesera almost he uh, Juan Vicente Balesera almost he contributed an article about the UFO project in Spain. Um, uh, Barry Greenwood, uh, Richard Thame, uh, and, uh, and myself, uh, uh, we uh, contributed various things to the. It's uh, it's probably 
scholarly uh, treatment of the history of government involvement in the UFO uh, thing from uh, from uh, 19 from the Foo Fighters up to uh, uh, the 1990s. Um, it was recommended. Uh, there's a there's a uh, there's a group that uh, recommends uh, books for uh, college libraries. So if you if you get a recommendation from them, usually libraries will purchase that. Uh, otherwise, you know. They, so we got a favorable uh, review from from them. So this book is in in libraries all over the world. It's in Harvard, it's in Yale, um, Stanford, so it's it's all around the country. Um, and it's you know, it's 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 about five hundred pages. It's not an in, in uh it's pretty substantial work. It's about five years five year project. Uh, it's been off and on the best Amazon's best selling list for a while, but you talk to UFO people and they, they don't they've never heard of it. Well, I guess we gotta do some business about helping promote this sign historical group. That's the one you're talking about, right? Yeah. S H C I, I would, yeah. I, uh, like I say, we we more or less, uh, it's it's just kind of morphed into we just call it the history group now. But uh, <laughs> well, we'll have UFO Association History Group as the SHG and and yeah. promote you guys on UFO Association Organization for Transparency Professional yeah. Trade Association. Now, uh, we've got a new magazine, and we'd like to cover some of your articles, maybe, uh, but we're going to go out every two months because of the uh, time involved, and if everybody wants to see pretty videos and pretty pictures, so Mad Painter here, T.R. Becker. Thomas, uh, what do you think? He's got all this stuff they've been doing since way back in the day. Oh, yeah. And this, you know, and we need to get some of this stuff, like you said, people don't even know they exist. These guys have been around, like, from prior military back in the day, you know. But this will help us with our Allied Command because we want to cover Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, even Coast Guard, whoever, you know, has seen UFOs or been interested as researchers or investigators. Right, Ahmed? Everybody's invited? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I I mean, I'm really interested in putting out articles of uh, past cases that people uh, aren't aware of today. And it's sad because I grew up, you know, learning these things, and now you mention it, and nobody knows anything about them. Right, right. That's uh, The only thing they know about now is Tic Tac, you know. So If it hadn't happened in the last six months on Facebook, they don't know. They don't have a clue. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, when you're when you're when you're handling almost sixty years of history, like uh, we did, 
you're bound to make a few mistakes, but this is uh, UFOs and government are head is head and shoulders. Uh, <coughs> uh, better than any other publication on UFO history. It's uh, um, I'd say Lauren Gross is probably uh, well, Lauren Gross. Uh, he's kind of the the skeleton that we hung a lot of the uh, historical stuff on, uh, and he's probably one of the best UFO historians, um, and almost nobody knows about him. And now you can get his books for free on Tom Tuline's website. Uh, Tell us where to go, and I'll put that link on our UFO association. You know, I can I can put everybody's link on here. It just takes some time. Okay. But I've done it before for universities. Go ahead. So the link for Tom's site is uh, uh, S-O S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-S-O-
he wrote about uh, new newspaper coverage uh, of UFOs, the historic uh, um, coverage of, of UFOs in the newspapers. And he was out there in Colorado for uh, several months working directly with the Colorado Project. Uh, so uh, we, uh, we've done quite a few oral histories. Of course, we've interviewed ufologists, too, like Ray Fowler. And uh, we interviewed, uh, like I said, uh, 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 Captain William uh, Nash, uh, airline pilot. And, uh, 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 we've, we've interviewed uh, people in all walks of, you know, or all, many different aspects of ufology from investigators to witnesses to officials that were involved in investigations uh, and scientists. Um, and we interviewed uh, people at White Sands. Um, so we've, uh, and like I say, we've done, I, I was interviewed and Barry Greenwood was interviewed. Um, so we've we have uh, really uh, tried to get as many people on record as we could. Many of the people we interviewed are no longer with us, unfortunately. Did Richard Dolan know about you? Who? <laughs> Richard Dolan. Historian, you ever heard of Richard Dolan? Maybe not. Yeah, I know. I know Richard Dolan. Yes, I met him. Okay, he's a historian. Wrote a few books, but uh, so you do know of him? Yes. Okay, he's a younger whippersnapper, huh? <laughs> a lot younger. You got started in '67. I don't know. I don't know when he came along. I guess in the '90s, late '90s or something. Well. Right. Yeah. Well, we did interview. We did interview uh, um, uh, Richard Hastings, who wrote UFOs and Nukes. He was he was he was one man that we interviewed. Well, would you like me to include you as a historian? Or how that's what I feel. That's that's what I feel. My <laughs> my main con- contribution is. Yeah, in ufology. You just specialize in ufology. Now, what about alienology? Do you have anything historically you can share with us tonight on aliens, our our, uh, CE5 contact, or anything that, uh, you know, like Jay Allen? I met Jay Allen Hynek in an airplane uh, somewhere, I think it was Chicago O'Hare, thereabouts, when I. Uh, before he died, and uh, he was interested in me because of my UF, uh, alien ET experiences in uh, uh, White Sands, and uh, I was reading a Ruth Montgomery book, Aliens Among Us, so he asked me if I believed in that. So there's a lot in my 
world of investigators and in the ufology business that I was an, an investigator, but I was for you know the country or for our government or out of country, and then I wanted to join the military. But uh, I did get to meet J. Allen Hynek, and uh, did you meet him or work with two foes? Because I heard you mention they were some people in your one of your groups there around Chicago. Tell us what you know about that, Jan. Anything? Well, I, I never. Uh, no, I, I didn't meet Hynek because I was overseas during. Uh, okay. But to be, you know, he passed away. But <clears throat> Will, uh, Dr. Willie Smith, uh, um, he got some of Hynek's, what happened with uh, uh, Smith and Hynek, they put together what they called the Unicat. <clears throat> How do you so, spell uh, that? U-N-I-C-A-T. Okay, now what is that? Uh, that's supposed to be, you've heard of the UFO cat, which is just uh, just listings of sightings. Uh, the UNICAT is supposed to be a listing of quality sightings. And uh, Heine, as uh, uh, Dr. Smith told me, he said, well, he started it, but then Heineck took it over. And Willie said, I wrote the program for it, and Heineck told me which cases to put in there. Oh, okay. So is it so, Dr. William Smith? Is he still alive, or is he passed? Uh, uh, Willie Smith, he has since passed away. My goodness. Well, we can't get all this stuff in our UFO association fast enough. I have, I have, I have the the uh, the case files from the Unicat. In fact, I have the um, um, the uh, computer. I have printouts of of the computer Unicat. So uh, that 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 will be preserved. Uh, I think I got about half of the case files. Uh, scanned, so they're digitized now. Wow! Congratulations on that. We need to yes, give you an award just for that, don't we? Well, well that's I, a, I, I, you're up north, though. You're up in Connecticut, right? Right. So Have you I've been got to, about I've oh, got sorry, about go five thousand. I've got about five thousand files, and like I said, about twenty five hundred of them are case files, actual cases. The others are articles and uh, government documents. I've got a lot of. I have Robert Todd's. I have uh, uh, Robert Todd gave his files to uh, Kufos, and then he stopped for a while, and he started up again, and he gave gave the files he had accumulated to. Uh, Ray Fowler, and then he stopped and he started up again, and he gave those files to Barry Greenwood, and uh, and the files from uh, Todd's last years uh, he gave to me. So now they're all together. Now, uh, did you say he gave some to George Filer, Filer's files? Some no, I haven't. I, I, I haven't. I haven't uh, worked with Filer at all. 
Um, oh, you haven't? Okay. No. No, I so have not. Uh, I'll just say Unicat, C.G. and Aldrich, Barry Greenwood. It's a U-N-I-C-A-T. I can make a page for it and just tell them to see yeah, you. So we, uh, uh, like I said, I'm scanning these files, and some of them are quite extensive. I mean, you know, some of these cases run into a couple hundred five, or a couple hundred pages. How um, do you want to be contacted on that Unicat UFO file? Uh, uh, you got an email that you can, in case somebody's listening to you tonight that would like to know more. I can put Jan Aldrich Unicat UFO files on the UFO Association, and then put contact you at email, Gmail, or wherever you receive your mails. Uh, okay, it's, it's it's project one nine four seven, all one word, at earthling dot net. One nine four seven at earthling or earth what? Earthlink. Okay, E A R T H L I N K dot net. Right. Earthlink. Okay, project nineteen forty seven, as in the year, one nine or four seven at earthlink dot net. I'll update that. Okay. Jan Aldrich, folks, a great ufologist, UFO researcher, investigator, and was recommended by Dr. Bruce Maccabee, our plank owner for our ACO club, uh, since 2012 when we started all this in 2014 for Alien Contact Organization. But we've had the UFO Association back to Stanton Friedman, Don Berliner, and me traveling around coming back into country, but I got started in 67, but nobody's known who I was, but I'm glad I got this uh, mission as ACIR, and when all the uh, government groups went out, they had me hold the energy and the interest for our Allied Command Intergalactic Relations, or ACIR, and it was for all the different parts of the government to work together, so now uh, Ahmad's joined me, uh, Thomas R. Becker of former prior Navy, and uh, Jan Aldrich has been sharing with us. We had a slow start today. We respected Dr. Bruce Maccabee, so I, I hope he's okay. We did try to call him and get in, but Jan Aldrich was recommended by him. And he, <laughs> Jan, tell us more about how you got to know Bruce or anybody else that is in your position as a historian. Or you, I guess ufologist. If you study ufology. Does, in your mind's eye, because you're with the old group, the, I don't know if you'd say you were men in black, but you're definitely invested in like a mad and I, and I was a woman in black for sure. But uh, how do you describe yourself? Do you call yourself a ufologist? And I know you're a historian because you've got all the, and you're an archivist because you've got this great project, 1947, and all you've told me thus far. But uh, were you a man in black at any time, or were you uh, chasing aliens or anything like that? Well, I, I spent a lot of time chasing the uh, uh, information in libraries. So that's uh, I, I I feel like I'm the I'm the one that does a lot of the grunt work. <laughs> I know the feeling. So yeah, so you know, scanning all these files—that's grunt work. Let me tell you, because you got to prepare, prepare them. And a lot of a lot of cases, it's it's not just 
you know, sheets of paper. There's, you know, clippings, different size clippings. And sometimes there's all kinds of notes in these case files. And they're all different sizes, so you have to mount them on pieces of paper so they'll go through there. And then sometimes there's photographs and things like that. So MUFON, Mutual UFO Network, uh, and I was part of that back in the 60s, but we got started, I thought, at NASA because some people came down, and maybe it was the Lawrensons, a couple, but uh, it was before they had the actual MUFON. And uh, 1967, and then we we met 68 and 69 at a man's house that had a whole library of books outside of NASA. And uh, we had to have secret meetings because some of the astronauts were coming. But then another man came down, and they started something in Texas. I can't remember the name of it, but we were meeting outside of NASA. So I know... We got started with NASA before MUFON. So Mutual UFO Network, uh, I thought the Lawrensons in Wisconsin gave their files to uh, uh, not NICAP. Yeah, the, the APRO you remember the history? The APRO files are uh, lost. Oh, no. So, uh, no. but we do. We do have from pre-47 to, ni- to December 19. 19- 56, we have a microfilm that was made of their files. Oh, no. All right. Well, that was APRA, the Lawrensons, L-O, I'm just making them a page, is Z, isn't it? That's what Dr. Bruce said, Lawrenson uh, files, APRA. Okay, so I'm going to put Lawrenson files. But there there does exist a microfilm. So of the of the early files, like I say, Part. from before 1947 to uh, December 1956, those files are in microfilm, and we have that one microfilm. On microfilm, okay. I'm putting that right now while you now say we, it live. Now I'm making them so, a page at least on UFO Association. Lawrenson, L-O-R-E-N-Z-E-N, Files, A-P-R-O. I'm going to put C.J. Aldrich for early files prior to 1947 to 1956 on microfilm. That's all I can do right now. That's getting it from you, the horse's mouth, because they're no so, longer uh, alive, right? Right. So the uh, – That um, company. Yeah, there, 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 there are uh, um, – we think we know who has them, but uh, they don't want to give them up. Oh, okay. Well, I thought so because that's sort of what I had heard, but that was a long, long, long time ago. And uh, that's when I guess they were making APRO and then MUF, uh, the gentleman, two or three people came in from MUFON. I think we've got that here from Elena Scott, uh, uh, Dr. Elena Scott, but she came in in the 80s. So when did did you ever join MUFON or KUFOs or any of those, or you've strictly been in the historical? Yeah, I've been, I've been at NICAP. Um, uh, uh, KUFOs and uh, MUFON. I've been uh, I've been members of all three of them. I was a member of the PRO. Okay. So, uh, so you so, can help us with all that as a historian, UFO right. historian. And help us now, with now, the, the, right. 
the uh, the APR bulletins. Wasn't it Afro then NICAP and then MUFON? Wait, TUFOs was in there somewhere. Afro then NICAP, right? APRO was 1952. They were in it very early. And then uh, NICAP was uh, 1957 to 1980. Uh, APRO was, I, I think, went till 86. I'm not sure. Um, and then... Uh, what was KUFOS? Uh, KUFOS uh, started in, uh, I think, uh, 1974. And they're still in existence. Yeah. Okay, 73. Okay. So I will, I will be going out there. I will be going out to Kufos to uh, scan some of their files with Barry Now, MUFON, MUFON is 1969, isn't it? After uh, the Warren I remember there was a meeting. I was in that meeting. I'm not sure when MUFON, I, I thought MUFON started in the, in the middle 60s. I think it was 69 because I was in 67 and, and uh, they came down telling us about forming uh, a new group. But the Lawrensons and uh, two other men uh, out of Wisconsin and then they met and then we had a Texas. Uh, it was they came down to NASA and uh, we met at a man's house. And yeah, I can't remember uh, the man's name. Yeah, but, I. I, I See, I you went in the that? military in 1967, so I kind of lost track about what was going on over here. Oh, okay. Um, well, you're yeah, the closest uh, thing I've heard next to these men that used to keep the – they had the books, uh, Kehoe's and Arnold and all that stuff. They were real pro, you know, cosmos, I guess one might say, our pro, you know, alien civilizations exist and NASA and astronauts and – all of that. So I think that's they brought me in as a teenager. Uh, several of us girls uh, was in the Houston Chronicle, uh, May '67, and my name was uh, Ginger Thurman, T H U R M O N D, and I went by Ginger, which was a nickname because my name was Teresa J. But it's funny because I I had that in Kentucky. I hope my rel my husband's relatives didn't throw it away historically. But I was in the Historical Society up there in Ohio County. Now, you think this is the close to historical uh, evidence that we could collect, right? Because the Lawrensons were collecting newspaper clippings and stuff. And you you got part of their files now, or no? It's strictly microfilm? Well, their files, uh, a lot of people had pieces of the files. Okay. Because um, we have... Uh, uh, Richard Greenwell, not to be uh, – uh, Not the young uh, boy, John Greenwald, the one that – No, had not Greenwald. Greenwell. G-R-E-E-N-W-A-L-L. And he was in Brazil – he was in uh, Peru. And so he had uh, – a lot of the records for UFO Peru, or excuse me, APRO Peru. And so uh, he had them at his house, 
so we got those. We have those APRO Peru. Um, APRO Mexico, we don't have the records, but uh, uh, this one guy that's uh, uh, like uh, Anik. John Greenwald? He has Richard the Greenwald. APRO Mexico. Oh, now which one? John Greenwald's Top Secret? Our APR interview by Richard Greenwell. I'm getting it mixed up too now. APRO. Uh oh, he fell off. I guess he ran out of battery. Darn it. Okay. Uh, you know, Ahmed, we should have established. Uh... Oh, here he comes back. He fell off. Let's see. Back again. Yeah, we had some kind of, somebody that had some some pretty uh, big electronics must have gone by on the road because that happens every once in a while here. Oh, really? I wondered what happened to you. All right, knocked the so, phone and it knocked it, it it changed the TV channel. So. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. So Serpo, uh, what was his name? Guillermo Serpa of the. Uh, Commander Peruvian Air Force. Now, Serpa, did he work with APRO? Or APRO was taking data for UFO history files. We were talking about Greenwall and Green John Greenwald, but there was a Richard Greenwell, right? Right. Richard Greenwell, for a while there, he was the assistant director of APRO, but then uh, he decided he didn't want it. Uh uh, the the Lorenzans were so possessive they weren't going to turn it over to anybody. Okay. But when they died, <laughs> so he had uh, the APRO Peru files, which uh, his widow let us copy. Well, we'll have to. Uh, wow. Uh, I'm offering, I pay for these uh, domain websites, but my friend here, uh, Thomas R. Becker, is trying to get me to uh, help set up where we don't have to pay out of our pockets for all these archive locations. But you've got yours on a hard drive server and on the Internet right now, right? It's 1947, Project 1947, where you're holding all your files? Or no, no, it's not no, no. Uh, Project 1947 is mainly um, it's uh, it's some you know it's it's got quite a few sighting reports there, and it's got historical articles. Uh, uh, <clears throat> myself and a number of other people have written. In fact, you might call it the Keith Basterfield uh, re- uh, UFO research. Uh, Organization because he's he's written more than I have. <laughs> oh, who is that? I'll put his name up here too. Make him Keith a Keith Basterfield. Keith Basterfield is in Australia. He's uh, in uh, Southern Australia, and uh, uh, he's probably the expert on uh, Australian UFO uh, documents. 
Okay. How do you spell his last name? A S T E R F I E L D. That's what I'm hearing. B A S T E R F I E L D. All right. I th- so you did say Basterfields. Okay. I just didn't want to hear it for some reason. Okay. Keith Basterfield, Australia UFO. Well, I'll make him a page, but it's empty right now. Does he have a a link I can put on the page for him in the UFO Association at least? Does he have a website? Like like I said, you could put it, you could put my website because uh, he's probably pushing me off of my own website. Uh, but he does have, uh, um, in fact, the National Archives in Australia has taken over his website, and uh, uh, it's it's part of the National Archives system now. So, wow! So they've, uh, and he's a uh, he's a the researcher that just he you know he. He's he's been in it not quite as long as I have, but he's probably done more than I have. Okay. And then of well, course, he, well, if you're looking for organizations, remember Cause Citizens Against UFO Security. Barry Greenwood. Okay. He has a he has a uh, the uh, Barry Greenwood archives there on the uh, internet. Okay, that's with a B, huh? Yeah, Barry Greenwood. Well, I'll make him one. My goodness. So uh, I guess that's what we're going to do is just try to get everybody linked together and then let everybody do their own research. If I can just carry their links, I'll be happy. <laughs> Because uh, just talking to you, that you you could probably fill the fill a whole database just full of people you know, not to mention the cases, right, from back right. in the day. And so I, I guess uh, part of uh-huh. uh, Keith is uh, uh, we've exchanged uh, thumb drives back and forth, so he wow. he's he's gone ahead and. Put his files on, uh, stand in his a lot of his files, not all of them. And so we exchanged some drives back and forth. So I have his, I have a good piece of his files. Um, I should say I got uh, Andy Roberts' files from England. So uh, he did a special project on Foo Fighters. So. Uh, uh, Barry Greenwood and I got uh, each got half of his Foo Fighter uh, research, so we we put that stuff together, so it's all in one place now. And wow. I got uh, I got his. Uh, I think I probably got about uh, uh, maybe a hundred and fifty, maybe two hundred uh, uh, Great Britain. Files from uh, Great Britain that Andy Roberts had in his files, so we've got those. Um, 
So. Well, I guess I'll have to just, I'm not sure. I've got a girl of the UK. She just went to one of the local, or went to the conference with uh, Linda Moten Howell, Richard Dolan, a lot of people up there called Awakening, Tina Bird, and uh, she gets her picture out there and uh, when they come over to the UK. But uh, she's over the UK group with photos anyway. But you guys have the history, so I'll have to put you in the UK too. So uh, I'm not sure how we'll do all that yet, but uh, we'll just have to have you come back. We're about out of time this week. I'm sorry we got a late start, folks.